Welcome, traveler. You have entered the realm of adventure. Prepare yourself for tales from beyond the dice. Welcome back! We play role-playing games like Dungeons and Dragons 5th Edition and a few other little RPGs around uh, here and there in previous episodes, so go back and listen to those. I'm Luke, your Dungeon Master. That was Travis's burp. And with me is... Ben, I play Cortain, who is over his demon... He got that monkey off his back, that <laughs> demon monkey. Ooh. Probably. He's Ooh. up Ooh. now. Peter, I'm playing your best friend... Your father figure, you're the best inventor in the universe, Spigston Denser. Your technology daddy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like how we've all forgotten what class. Oh, uh, we don't need it. It doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't matter anymore. Hey, little Moss, I play some guy, does some things. Um, better than the other guys. No, that's wrong. Don't lie to our, to our listeners. He does some things better than us, like wears glasses. None of us wear glasses. That's true. None of us wear glasses. Well, do you count goggles as glasses? Because Spigs wears goggles. Oh, no. Right. Well, no, Moss Spigs, does it better. Spigs is supposed to wear goggles. <laughs> that's true. Mine are in no way functional. Mm. They're completely stylistic. Also, like G this would be a weird episode to start on. Yeah. Why do we want? So, G'day, I'm Levi, and I play Lowcake, and he's the guy who actually finished his story arc, so I'm real chuffed. <laughs> Lost a thing, got a thing back, had a few drinks, life's gravy. Gravy. You also had, it was also the shortest story arc. Yeah, but still. I but got, to be fair, nice yeah, I've been else... doing this for five years, and I didn't even start a story yeah, arc. Everything <laughs> else was just a long prologue for Lowcake. Uh, I mean, Little Moss grew up a little bit. He stopped leaning on boxes, so... It's kind of a story arc. Yeah. I'm more like a grifter. I'm like a lazy grifter. Hey, boys, I got you a nice train set. You know, like, you like trains, I like trains. Anyway, uh, can I get all of you to roll, every all the listeners as well, roll a d20 for me. The lowest tells the tale of the previous. Not today. 19, Moss. The previous tale, I should say. Oh, I thought we had to narrate the entire ending. <laughs> Cortain 12. 13 for Lokag. And guess who's calling the shots tonight? It's Spigston Denser with a four. Oh, nice. All right, Spigston, tell the tale. What happened previously on Beyond the Dice? Well, previously, we were finally got into the library with the helm of the... Was it dumb, was the, the helm, anyway. <clears throat> and returned it to the Keepers of Law. And what were the other, other highlights for the episode? That's, oh, that's it, it man. <laughs> Captured that's it. it. Put the helm away in the uh, the deep vaults, <laughs> and uh, that was yeah. That was basically it. There was you know there was some discussion, some uh, some sort of character reveal moments and such. Uh, but if you didn't hear those reveals and that discussion, feel free to go back and listen to episode sixty-five, or it is all in there for your ears' pleasure. at the elevator and stroll through the underground halls of the Darkhaven Library, New Etika. The neon city stands tall and vast amidst the 
dangerous wastelands outside. This country-sized metropolis, tall structures and buildings casting shadows on the slum-like district called Darkhaven, where our heroes live and work, where our story began and where our story ends. We see a concrete room. It's dark. All the walls are lit with this faded, dull, fuchsia light. We can just see the scarred, deep claw marks etched and violently slashed into the concrete walls. The demon kneeling in his prison, his power leaking out of him like drooping tendrils of pink red light. He crawls over to the wall and begins feeling the surface. These light blue and purple runes light up as the demon touches it. It's a force field. He cannot push through or scratch past these walls any longer. His power is leaving. The silver crown upon his head starts to shrivel and become black. A dark room shed in an aqua green light. The walls are covered in network servers, a mass of neat organized cables running from server stack to server stack. The UltraDie Incorporated logo flickering on small screens around the room. A hacker kneeling in a silver ring designed to amplify their arcane and cognitive cybernetics, which allow their mind to travel through the networks like a metaphysical ghost. Cables running from the server stacks into their arms, in the back of their head and the sides of their temples. Two people are watching the hacker behind glass. A man in a suit and a data technician. Sir, the hacker's vitals are getting far too hot. I don't care. I want you to push them. I want to know where Agent Visage was and what he was doing. You all enter the central area of the library. Dune is there with Dr. Lazarus, who's sitting in an armchair drinking tea. Visage, who is sitting in an old wooden chair looking through a tome. Lorian leading you all. He sits down in a slump in his usual chair. Sighs as Dune comes over, giving you all some tea. He then motions to this central circular table where there are quiche, small sandwiches, and a, uh, a little esky full of uberbons. You all spend time in the library, chatting, joking around, discussing the day's events, and really the events of the last few weeks. After a while, it gets darker into the evening, and you all decide to part and go your own way, leaving Lazarus, Lorian, and Dune behind. You each step out into Darkhaven in New Etika and make your way to your respective homes.
Little Moss, you are resting against a red sports car, your pink hoverboard under one foot. The street is bustling, the smell of spicy elven noodles, orcish barbecue, and dwarven mincemeat pies makes you feel even hungrier. A large bugbear walks by drinking a huge five liter can of beer, burps, belches, as from his pocket, this heavy rap music is playing. You smell something else on the wind. Your keen senses pick it up. A sweet scent, the perfume. You turn around to see her across the alleyway. Danusi stands there in her shiny silver jacket atop some tactical black and navy blue armor. Under her arm are her roller skates, her hover skates. She smiles and waves. Oh, you've caught me leaning against my favorite sports car. <laughs> As you lock eyes with her and she walks through the crowd coming towards you, she hugs you and she says, is this yours? Yeah, I just told you it's my favorite sports car. It's not mine, but I am leaning against it. Oh. <laughs> oh. And she looks down as she pulls away from you and she sees the floating holographic logo of the Swords of Darkhaven. She taps a button on her armor. The Swords of Darkhaven logo flickers out and in its place there is this neon pink outline of a dog with shifty eyes. Nice. Man, where'd you get that? Oh, this? Uh, I mean, the armor's from work, um, but then I just put this little chip in there because I don't really want to be walking around when I'm off duty with the, the work logo on me, and I thought something that would um, that would have us matching. As she looks at your glasses. Yeah. Do I still have the shifty dog eyes after all this time? I don't know. You tell me. Yeah, I think I do. <laughs> I'm, that, I'm that lazy. <laughs> you had them as smiley faces at some point, I think. Yeah, I I did wonder why people had a deep mistrust of me up to this moment, but now <laughs> it makes perfect sense. Uh, I mean, I, I could have chosen anything, but I, I chose the dog. You know, it's kind of a it's a little in joke for us, I guess. Yeah, that's pretty sick. Hey, I know we're supposed to go for dinner, but do you want to like go for a bit of a um? We could go for a, a ride, like you on your hover skates, me on my hoverboard. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Work up an appetite. Before we do that, can we just like grab some ice cream? I mean, I don't know why. I'm just really craving something, you know? Uh, you want an Uberbon? I get it. Uh, yeah. Either that or um, Growfro. You know that new place that opened up? Growfro. It's supposedly like, yeah, it's supposedly pretty good. I don't know. Do you have an intolerance or something to normal food or? No, but I just think that ice cream out of like a fresh tub rather than a plastic bag is much nicer. Okay. And and like we get some ice cream, we go for a skate and then we can go get some normal food. What do you reckon? <sighs> uh, yes, yes, that sounds great. I'd love to do that. Oh, oh, maybe we can even hit up some of the old street dance spots. Oh, sick. We want to like skate around to the, the broadside casinos. What do you reckon? Uh, I don't know. School is in session. Oh, okay. Sensei Moss coming at you. All right. Well, ice cream, skating, then the old spots. Mm-hmm. So you enter Grofro. This is large bugbear in there. You purchase ice creams from him and begin your skate through the winding alleyways of Darkhaven. As you're skating through and chatting, you... 
Actually, you tell me how you feel. Skating around next to Danusi. Not gonna lie, it's pretty great. I mean, I'm sort of thinking and reflecting on my life up to this point. And, um, you know, I don't think I'm the same orc that I, that I was when I met um, Danusi. I mean, maybe I could play this out in conversation with her while we're, we're kind of kicking on. Yeah. Hey, um, Danusi, I was just thinking. Yeah. It's been um it's been a pretty wild ride over the last little while, hey. Like I mean I don't think I'm the same orc that I was when I first met you. I know, I can kind of see like hairs forming on your upper lip. I know, that's um it's my man pelt. My man lip pelt. Ah, uh, sorry, I don't um I feel like you're being serious. I'm sorry, I don't mean to joke, but you know, it's just I'm just having a lot of fun. This is seriously my man lip pelt. Yeah. Um I don't know, like, I had a career as a pit fighter. That was wild. I went into rehab. I got out. I was contracted by a large organization to recover a strange artifact. Didn't you say you couldn't talk about that stuff? Talk about what? And then, and here I am. (laughs) Ah. Yeah, well, I mean, we've got a lot of time in front of us. Ahead of us, I should say. Um, so I mean, I know it hasn't, like, been official or anything like that, but do you, you want to spend more time together? That time that's ahead of us? Maybe? Like eating GoFro or? Yeah, whatever, anything. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's do that. More time, good, yes. She hugs you and as you're hugging her, you feel this strange knowledge that sort of washes over you. And you open your eyes and you see across from you, there's this busy ramen bar, this little glass window in front of it. There's a bench so you can sit on the inside of the shop, eat your ramen and watch the street outside. There is only one spot that is left empty. Otherwise, the shop is full of people. And in that spot, there is just this simple white plate and on top of it something that makes you feel anxious something that hits you hard right in the heart and not a good feeling in the heart like how Danusi makes you feel but something that calls you back and pulls you back to the monastery there is a perfectly folded purple origami lotus with a single green leaf coming off the bottom. And the last time you saw one exactly like that, it was the day that you left the monastery. You were given it as a gift, and in your struggle to get out of Himitsu, what is known to some as Unvar or Sector U7, the walled-off district of New Etika. It was walled off to contain a reactor meltdown hundreds of years ago, but is the area where you grew up the area in which the monastery rests on a small mountain. You were drawn to the papercraft lotus. Without even realizing it, you are walking into the ramen shop and you're taking the lotus off of the plate. Danusi is running after you, calling out. It just comes back to you out of the silence of your unconscious thoughts. You hear Danusi saying, Little Mas, what's what's wrong? And as you look 
at the paper leaf on the underside of the lotus, you see a message that reads, The rift is getting wider. The beasts stronger. The master is preparing for something. Danusi calls out again, Little Moss, are you okay? You turn to face her. You notice you're not smiling anymore. You notice and you realise something serious is happening near the monastery. Leaf, your best friend, the only friend that helped you in your struggles as a young monk, the only one that stood up for you, the only one that cared is sending you this message. The master is preparing for something. I say to Danusi, I say, Danusi. Yeah? I'm, um, I've come to this place to do two things. Eat Froga. The ramen bar? No, well, sort of. Hold on, hear me out. I've come here to do two things. Finish my froget and go and kick some ass. And I've just finished my froget. You, um, you in? Yeah, I'm in. Where are we going? I'll tell you on the way. As you kick off on your hoverboard and she follows in her hover skates, you quickly dash through the streets of Darkhaven towards the monastery. Lokeg, you slam your opponent into the ground, sending a spiderweb crack through the concrete. The orc with the mohawk lays battered and broken, a snarl on his face, even in his unconsciousness. The crowd is then lit by rainbow lights. This, this mass of people jumping and yelling and screaming up at the huge holographic font that appear above the cage arena. Junker wins. The lights turn from that rainbow effect to a stark white. Junker, or Lokag, sometimes he is commonly known, walks out of the arena down the dark red stairs into the underground halls of this underground fighting league. You open the door to your personal change room with all of your gear hanging on the walls, sitting on shelves. You feel around and flick the light. With your other hand, you wipe off the small trail of blood leaving from your nose. And you see a figure that would be imposing to most, but not to Lokag. Dune stands there in his brown corduroy pants, his off-white shirt and his grey waistcoat. Over his shoulder, he's holding a large, old, dusty leather sheriff's coat. Tall, straight back, Dune smiles and hugs you. That was a good fight, brother. You are getting even better with every fight. Do you plan to try for the Arcadian Games one day? That would be amazing. Seeing you over there in Arcadia, I've not been there. Have you heard of it? It's it's supposedly amazing. Yeah, I've heard about that on the Round the Traps a bit, but 
Oh, I still figure it's just a pipe dream. Like, I'm fair good here, but big fish in a little pond. The Arcadia Games, that's, that's a... That's a massive pond. Uh, I mean, imagine one of one of us in this wild city, fisticuffs with all manner of people, for the greatest honor, champion of the Arcadian Games. He walks and sits down <laughs> on well, the couch. It would be grand. We could all go there to cheer you Oi, on. Mate, ease up, ease up. I've just had a win. Just uh, don't stroke my ego too much, mate. Oh, that'd be great. Oh, think of all the, the things I could fight. Like, oh, keen as. Keen. But but I don't think that's our first course of action. Oh, I think there's there's a few things I need to do before I go go big like that. Got to get my, my head in order, June. Well... This may help with that. So I, um... I've come to officially mend our differences. Honestly, Lokak, you did fantastic when retrieving what you had lost. And I can see that you have grown. Not in height, though you have, but you've grown as a man. You're not a silly... Boy, any longer, you... I saw how... Now I'm a s silly man, but but thanks. Oh, it means a lot to hear you say that, Darren. Well, brother, I've really missed you. Like, really. And I'm sorry that I didn't support you in your struggles, and... I mean to... Uh, those substances... Those things, those temptations... Now, I know it was a harsh transition between the wastes and the city, and you got caught up in all those things, and I... I didn't understand, you didn't understand what was going on, but now... You did, you did well, and... Well... Just... And Dune walks over towards this tired brown suitcase, and he flicks it open. It's full of maps and things from the old town. He takes out a few old maps and unfolds them. And he places them on the table where you usually sit uh, in front of and apply your war paint and costumes for the fights. I want to invite you on a small trip. Just you and me, brother. I've planned trip from West Corp Industries in Darkhaven, from the train station there to the Outland Hover Freight Port. And from there, he flips it over, his map, and he points on three words. The Scorched Lands. And you see markings and travel routes, little notes written in red ink. Lokag, a letter arrived the other day. It's a few years old, but it was sent by an old friend. Tenza? Sorry? Or was it Nanu? Nah. Was it Tenza? My little mate, or... Who, who was it? It was Tenza. Tenza sent us a letter. And it is very... Well, it's... It's going to put a smile on your face. And he pulls out the letter from this suitcase. He hands it to you. You unfold it. And then we cut. We see Lokag and Dune climbing on board the Outland Hover Freighter. A huge ship 
slash train-like vehicle used to transport goods and passengers across the lands between megacities and outposts. You enter Economy Passenger Bay 66. You place your bags in the designated area and take a seat. Dune sits next to you and uses his long dusted jacket as a blanket as he leans back and closes his eyes and he says, Lokag, I just cannot believe that we're going to go and find your sister, our sister. The freighter lifts off of the ground, sending orange dust whirling in all directions. Woofing engines pick up speed as it glides noisily into the dusty wastes of the scorched lands. You look out of the thin windows as the dunes, the canyons, the crevices speed by. Dune is there with his duster pulled up, snoring. There's a bump and he wakes up. He sees you over near the window. He stands up, walks across Economy Passenger Bay 66, placing his hand on your shoulder. He says, What's wrong, Lukag? Oh, I kind of miss my mates a bit, actually. Like, a, there was a group of mercs. You, you, you know, they were, they were top blokes, say. So they helped me get good, and it was, it was real nice meeting them, but no, I'm, yeah, just thinking back about going back home as well as the waste, and Oh, the dry heat. Oh, man, I'm keen, but yeah, it's just I'm leaving a lot behind and got a lot to look forward to. It's just, just yeah, thinking, mate. Think, I'm thinking. We will get back there. When we find our sister, she can join us at the Keepers of Law. We'll have our family back and then we'll join our family back in, in Darkhaven. Tear rolling down his face. I thought she was dead, Lokag. I know that she's my half-sister and your full sister but I still love her as a sister yeah yeah me too Dune you know, if, once you get to know her real well she's she really grows on you and she yeah she's just got that way about her that just takes in anyone so yeah I don't know I've, I've kind of I'd given up her for dead so I'm still coming to grips with yeah get to see her again it's it's got a yeah, a real lot on my line, Dune. Oh, oh my, but the countryside is great, isn't it? Like, yeah, home. Yes, home, Lokag. Home. Cortain, a few days later, you exit the stairwell and walk out onto the rooftop of the apartment building. The gravel crunches underfoot as the colourful cityscape comes into view. You are invited to meet here with a few of your operatives to discuss some information. You see Proto in his royal blue leather jacket over the top of his Swords of Darkhaven armour. He doesn't really need the armour, but he insists on wearing it. He's not usually in the field, but today you've decided to um, to bring him here as a precaution. He's got glowing green cyberdeck goggles and he's sitting on an old air vent typing away on holographic keyboard. Thundergunk is standing on the edge of the building holding a sniper rifle at the ready, watching over the sprawl before you. 
Danusi, who manages the various safe houses in Darkhaven, is standing next to Proto. A flip phone pressed to her ear and you hear her say, Yeah, cool. Moss, I'll meet you in Ishikawa Alley. I'm just at a meeting and I'll... I'll yep, I'll see, I'll see you soon. She closes the phone. She turns to you and nods. Proto says, <laughs> Hey, boss. Running late, huh? As he scratches his head. Wait. Are you seeing Little Moss? Danusi looks up. Ah, yeah, yeah. We're kind of dating. Kind of. Yeah. Is that a problem, boss? No, just look out for yourself. What? <laughs> <laughs> There's a dog from down yeah, this, the road. This, you check. <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> <laughs> the entire neighborhood lights up like the Twilight Park. <laughs> and then Little Moss hears, hears some dogs barking. What's that? What did he say about me? That's not a <laughs> uh, I just assumed he would come out of the, the darkness and put on a white turtleneck. Like, the, the no, the, the 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 second idea was was saying, damn, I've got to, to write to write in that clause in the contracts. <laughs> None shall date little moss. <laughs> For everyone. <laughs> you <Yeah>. bastard. <laughs> Look. I'm a few years older than him, so I'll be fine. He's just a big goof. A lovable goof. Yeah, listen to the woman. <laughs> uh, okay, fine. I have no no issues with it, but if he... Just, just don't be surprised if he spends the whole of a date standing next to a trash can. Okay, I'll have to ask him about that. I can't remember if there was a trash can, but I remember you were standing next to a wall during a fight. Thundergunk. <laughs> jumps off the uh, sort of short four-foot wall around the rooftop and onto the gravel. He walks up towards you and he says, Hey, Cortain. While he adjusts his Wayfarer glasses, slicks back his hair and sort of pops the collar of his purple vest over the top of the Swords of Dark Haven armor. Thanks for giving me a job, man. It's good to be back in action. As he, like, checks his rifle and uh, holds it up proudly. Ultradai held me for questioning for far too fucking long. And now it's good to get out and stretch. As he stretches, the sniper rifle sort of falls on a tether around sort of his chest area. Ugh. You've you've earned a thunder gunk and you've shown that you're one of the best sharpshooters in the organization. Thanks, uh, man. I was a merc and then I gave it all up to, you know, be a contractor and... Uh, Sitting behind the screen all the time gets a little dull. This should be, uh, it should be fun, I guess. <laughs> should be. You hear a voice from behind you. Hopefully you're more punctual when protecting the people of Darkhaven. This voice sort of echoes out of the darkness. Thundergunk swings around and points his rifle into the shadows. A purple laser dot cutting through the darkness. It lights and illuminates the panther helmet with its mouth stretched unnaturally wide and a glossy black glass plate resting between the upper and lower teeth of the helmet. The ripped cloak flutters as a speeder flies through the sky, zipping past the building. The displacer walks out of the shadow, its robotic tentacles curling behind it. The displacer clicks a button on the neck of her armor and takes off the helmet. Wavy brown hair and tanned skin. Freckles across her nose bridge. 
She smiles and she looks kind of familiar. In a way, she resembles Visage in her elven lineage. But it's not just that. You remember back. You remember Terry's diner. There was a boy who died there. Nathan, Nathaniel, his name. You remember her, his girlfriend. All this time, you were Nathaniel's girlfriend. Look, we never met back then, but somebody who came to me after that horrible time, they, um, they have information. But first, when I suggested we join forces to defend Darkhaven from the crime syndicates which abuse its people, you acknowledged my work. And now I want to bring you something as a gesture of trust and good intention. Now I got a call from that old friend, somebody we have in common. He has information that sounds important. You then hear footsteps from behind you and you all turn as your heart beats, picks up speed. Out of the doorway, your sister Elaine runs in her armor, <sighs> panting. Cortain, I told you to hold up, to wait. I told you, Elaine, I'm happy with you training, but you need to keep up. You, you said to me, meet me downstairs in five minutes. I was two minutes late. And? And you couldn't wait two minutes for me to get here? That was kind of the point of saying I'll meet you there in five minutes. Is this what it's going to be? You're going to be some sort of dictator when training me? Because, I mean... I'm treating you no different to any other sort of Darkhaven. And while you're training, you treat me not as your brother, but as your trainer, as your superior. <sighs> Fine. Elaine Dennis reporting for duty as she salutes you. Good. Glad you finally joined us. Cortain then, with a, with, a, with a smirk, turns back to the displacer. So tell me about this deal you want to make, this information that's important to both of us. She puts the panther helmet down on the gravel and presses a button on her neck. A hollow projection emits from the helmet. This fuzzy holograph made up of lines then sort of materializes and, and uh, tunes in to be more fine and a higher quality projection. You see a man in a long tan duster wearing a white shirt, a black tie with a, a glowing tie clip, a katana on his back and a silver robotic arm. It's Gage. Gage. Hey guys, I know it's been a while, but I need to be brief to get this message out. I took advantage of my situation in the hospital for some uh, augmentations to my appearance. That way I could head deeper into cover. Eventually, I came across a decent lead on the piece of trash I followed into Darkhaven, the one who hurt my family. Turns out they're a key player in brokering the peace between the crime lords. I don't know who they're working for, but I'm certain they're backed up by a megacorp as there's just too many things that don't add up yet. I don't know if this message will make it out, but if it does, I need the help of the Swords of Darkhaven to help bring down this dark alliance. Hopefully I can get in touch again soon. Your ally, Gage. You son of a bitch, I'm in.
transfixed and denser. Yes. Along with his wife, Glist, his two sons, Gleam and Razor, who look uncomfortable in super expensive and plush uh, suits, step into a super expensive and plush looking hover limousine, which has picked them up from their small shop beneath their small apartment in Darkhaven. The limo hurls through the air above all the ground cars that wind their way through the neon city of New Etika. The Denser family arrives at the headquarters of the Forge Fathers, an ancient dwarven guild for the most renowned and respected artisans, blacksmiths, engineers, and inventors. The limo softly lands as the doors slide open to reveal Spigston's dream, the grand entrance to the hall of his ancestors, to his people. Two nanocrete statues of a dwarven woman with a hammer and a dwarven man with a blowtorch stand 40 foot tall beside the large bronze double doors etched with two massive dwarven runes that read Forge Forever. Spigston, you and your family, who are dressed up in their finest, have been invited to accompany you to the Grand Hall. You are offered a place with the Forge Fathers, and your family will be extended the titles awarded. You meet with an old dwarven woman in a black dress. She wears bronze braces and pauldrons with bronze adornments in her hair as the ancient customs of the Herald of the Forge Fathers. She says, Spixton, Glist, Gleam, and Razor Denser, welcome to the Grand Hall of the Forge Fathers Guild. I am Vina Straushanger. I will be here for you all during these negotiations. Please, Keep your voices down and follow me. She begins to walk down the impressive hall. The greatest inventors, creators, and businessmen are both carved in stone and painted in mural murals along the walls of this grand hall. You pass by many meeting rooms until Vina stops out the front of one particular meeting room with the words Iron Tome etched on the stone door. Across from the hall, you see another room with the same words, iron tome. Here is a waiting room with refreshments and amenities. Glist, Gleam, Razor, would you please make your way into the room until we are ready for you? Yeah, sure. Spigs turns to Glist. How, how do I look? Spixton, you look great. She leans in to hug you and she's like, I prefer you um, in your work gear with a welder in hand and your face covered in grease. But uh, this suit's fine. As she kisses you on the cheek. Good luck. Thank you. And he turns. Spigs, it is time. The elders of the Forge Father await you. So, Vina opens the doors and you enter the room titled Iron Tome. It is a medium-sized room with banners of the Forge Fathers resting on the walls in blue, red, 
brown and grey. In the centre of the room is a round table. Five dwarves sit in chairs around this table and two chairs are left open for you and your lawyer who is waiting for you inside the room. It's Ogden Ivanstone. He's the one who was the intermediary between you guys, the uh, you and your friends, the Salesforce Tribunal and Ultra Die. He sits in the chair, slicking back his hair. Ogden? Yes. Are you like the only dwarf lawyer in Darkhaven? I'm not, but when I heard that you were meeting with the Forge Fathers, I thought it would be very important to get in contact with them and make sure that you are being done right by. Appreciated. He nods to you and then places his large black tablet on the table in front of him. One of the dwarves stands up, a muscled older dwarf, a few years older than you. He has very long beard, probably down to his knees with all braids through it and these bronze adornments. Bald head with tattoos across his scalp. Tattoos of the Forge Fathers. Speaks and Denture. Son of Felden Denture and Quillen Denture, you are welcomed to the halls of the Forge Fathers. Why, thank you. Please, take a seat. Speaks sits down. Another dwarf stands up, this woman. It seems it was a trouble getting you here, Spigston Denser. You are a very busy man. You declined our calls and you made us wait. Hush. He puts his hand up towards this female dwarf who is being quite brash in front of you. We wish to present you an invitation, but to do so, we need you to present us an invention in faith that we can offer you a position here in the Forge Fathers Guild. Your presentation, your invention, you must be able to deliver as an engineer, as an inventor, and this presentation must prove it. What do you offer as a signifier of your loyalty and your intent to invent and engineer, design and create for the Forge Fathers Guild. Uh, I know what. Like, are you gonna keep it or like? These are the things that we will discuss during this session. First, you must make an offer. I really don't know what the Forge Fathers would consider worthy. I mean, I made my uh, my gun, my um. Uh, like, made woofy, like, I know, like the workshop, all the stuff I'd make from there, like. We want to offer you a position as a developer and inventor for the Forge Fathers. But you will have to meet key performance indicators and deadlines for products. The guilt is also a business, not a club for hobbyists. Uh, so Spigs reaches into... A suitcase that he's brought and he fumbles around a bit but he brings out he's been keeping safe with him at all times because he hasn't had a chance to sort it out yet but the cylinder that held Woofy's AI you place it on the table and you tap 
button on the side of it and twist the top and out project the schematics of Wolfie, but not just the mechanical schematics, but that schematics and coding for the AI that you kind of stumbled upon. Something in you pushed you to do something more than you ever had. You had made small robots and droids here and there to help around in the shop, clean things and, you know, like little rover vacuum things and spider bots and, uh, you know, your coil snake robot thing. You've made them, but Wolfie was the first time that you had this burst of ingenious thought, like a stored AI of a wolf and modifying it to fit inside a robot, but with the loyalty of a dog, of a friend. And they look over these schematics. And after a few hours of discussion, they present you their offer. These are some of the things that are said during their offer. Spigson Denser would have to cut ties with Ultra Die Incorporated completely. Spigs then will also have to give up the shop and move his family to the Guild Department Center. The shop will no longer be able to function, for all of his spare time will be focused on the Forge Fathers and their workshops. Lastly, Spig's inventions will be the property of Forge Fathers Guild. He will always be titled as the engineer and inventor of his own products and inventions, but the company, the guild, will have control over the branding and marketing of such products. Hodgson says, Basically, Spigston, you will have the intellectual property rights of your creations, though the actual product will be owned by the guild. Inventions you make outside of your company time are yours. They tell you to go into the, the waiting room. This document, what does it imply to my family? What happens to them? What happens to They will get the titles and everything that comes along with being a guild member. You have an apartment, each of you their own room, multiple bathrooms. Most people in Darkhaven do not get an offer like this, Bixton, but... I'm not telling you, you have to take it. It is your choice. And uh, like Bliss' parents as well? Yar will be taken care of, yes. He can move into the apartment with you. He can get his own place. The guild extending their hand to you is extended to your family. What about Wolfie? What is What happens to him? Wolfie is your invention. If you create Wolfie 2.0, or whatever you might call it, it is the property, physical pro property of the guild. Am I able to talk to my family before I make a decision? As soon as we leave this room, you will have to sign the document. I can't even ask Liz. Can I get her into the room? Since they are offering you the place in the Forge Fathers Guild, even though she is a capable engineer and inventor, you are being asked to join. Sadly, not her. Spigs looks slightly uncomfortable when he thinks and puts his, as he likes, his robot hand through his beard and thinks on his family and his mission to, as a, um, with all the jobs he's so, um, 
taken to what the real purpose was, and that was to get them out of Darkhaven and to a better life. And he believes that this is the better life. As Ogden's watching you, Spigson, I can see it on your face, you're worried. But think of it like this. Your family will be safe. They will have everything they need. You will have almost unlimited funding for your creations and inventions. You will just have to hand over products and projects to the Forge Fathers. Now, I'm not saying you can't withhold inventions from them, but you have the freedom to build what you want. You exit the meeting room. You walk out into the hall and into the room across from the meeting room to meet with your family. The boys are playing the latest Forb Cuge. It's a gaming console. Not paying you much attention because they're just drawn in, wearing these headsets, pressing buttons on these controllers. They're both laughing and yelling. Glist sees you enter and she jumps off the armchair and rushes over to you. So, Spixton, how'd it go? I think it went pretty well, to be honest. So what, what are we? Part of the family now. She hugs you. She looks up at you and smiles. I hope we get to work together, Spixton. This is fantastic. This is our dream. The Denser family are a part of the Forge Father's Guild. She squeezes you tighter. You put down Wolfie on the table as you go over to your boys. You tap them on the shoulder. They take their headsets off and they turn to you. They smile, seeing the grin of their mother and your grin on your face. And they start, Razor starts jumping up and down. We're gonna make stuff. We're gonna make stuff. We're gonna make stuff. And a single joyful tear rolls down Spigson's face. Back in that dark room, shed in aqua green light with all of the network servers along the walls and the cables running across, down, up and around everything. The hacker's mind runs through grids and wire mesh constructs of the networks. It finds an area surrounding the old Darkhaven library probing the decrepit building, the hacker finds no wireless networks, only power, electricity. The people in the room, the technician, the man in the suit, push the hacker. The hacker is prompted forward. They feel the vibrating heat of their mind starting to burn as they force data through the old wiring of the library building. The hacker finds old computers not connected to a network, only connected to power. 
the hacker finds lights, microwave, fridge, old locking systems, vaults, possibly. They find something different. The wiring of a room is different than the others. Where they are connected circuits, this room is an open circuit. The wires have been cut, severed, destroyed, but something, something is touching those wires. Something from in the room, some sort of wireless energy, something arcane. The technician reads the communication from the hacker aloud. The corpo smiles and tells the hacker to probe the energy and he will triple their pay. The hacker pushes through those old destroyed cables using their mind, using their consciousness to feel and get a read of this wireless energy. The hacker starts convulsing, their mind burning, the servers overheating, some beginning to catch fire. The technician pulls the lever on his control panel and the fire suppression system kicks in. The room fills with a white fog. The technician pushes the lever the other way and fans churn and suck the fog away. The room shows nothing but darkness. The servers dead. The silver ring on the floor has been twisted into a jagged crown-like structure. The hacker is no longer kneeling on the floor. The hacker is floating two feet off the floor. Their skin peeled away. Their muscle and veins have been fused with the cables and tubes surrounding the hacker. The silver jagged circlet protrudes from this hacker's forehead. The hacker's hands vibrating, their eyes glowing this red, pink. They slowly lower to the floor, standing tall and straight. The once hacker turns to the black glass and smiles at the two people behind it. The technician's eyes begin to bleed out of the technician's mouth and nose, ears, smoke and flame and light begin to leap and burn. The technician falls in a heap on the console. The corpo grips his head, falls to the floor screaming. A few seconds go by, his eyes, his eyes glowing red, pink. He smiles, being behind the glass, floating just above the crown, with this silver crown, this skinless being says I told you Lorian that one day I will break free of that prison and lay waste to your world and that is where we will end this season damn oh dang I thought he was dead he got out time to bust a ghost I mean a demon Damn it. No, I wish I was with Lokag. <laughs> Travelling away from the city. <laughs> I'm going on a summer holiday. <laughs> Lokag comes back uh, and there's no city. Seemed a good place to leave it. All I can say, it's been a massive mm. fun field ride. Yep. Much enjoyed. Yes, it has. Mm. Yeah, I, it's been good. I loved the way that you brought... Um, 
a gauge back into the store at the end. Like that was a massive yeah. draw for me all the way through as a listener before I actually got into it. Like his story was was so good. And so just hearing that he's he's back, he's here. He was always around. We knew that um, just in the backgrounds and whatnot. So hearing that he's, yeah, that, that was a nice um, dovetail at the end. And yeah, being able to play with you guys and jump in with the stories with its pre-reach. And this has been an absolute, a joy. Super delight every week we get to do it. And yeah, love the recording. So it's been great. What I'm hearing, Levi, is that Speaks and Dennis's backstory and, and, and story arc was not the draw, which I feel I should... <laughs> Um, um, Moss made your story a lot more interesting. <laughs> no, just you just keep losing limbs. Um, but Gage just lost a spine or something. So yeah, kind of spine arms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been it's been sweet, and I want to uh, thank all of you guys for playing along and uh, following the story and creating the story, because the story doesn't come if you guys don't make decisions and play your characters as characters rather than just playing players and trying to do the best and the and the most optimal thing to keep your character alive or whatnot or power gaming um, didn't i win dnd so thank you guys for really you there is no winning in dnd trav i don't know if we we probably didn't tell this you this and it's the time. only way that you've stuck around this time <laughs> i just wanted to find out if i won yeah so thank you guys for uh, being a part of the, the story and um, we're going to continue it in some way or another uh, but that's the end of this season and this story and uh, we may come back to you know continue doing the podcast at some point down the line but for now everyone that's um, that's it we're going on a hiatus which could mean forever or it could mean um, that we do come back at some point just, just sponsor us all and then we'll do it that's a simple way <laughs> if you really want us back start a revolution but yeah our, our social social medias will be you know still going i use um the instagram all the time so if you guys want to get in touch with us that's the best way to do it is the instagram i don't really use much of the other stuff uh the other ones so um yeah thanks guys for uh downloading and thank you for listening to the show thank you for sticking with us all these years and um and yeah it's been really good and uh, we hope that you guys can find other things to go and uh, listen to. Um, but if you really do miss us, let us know. If you do uh, miss us, a good place to go is to www.beyondthedice.com. There's links to all that stuff. You can drop us those comments, those likes, um, find our, our merch um, shop and all that. So, yeah, check us out. Have fond memories and thanks for the, thanks for the trip. I, I'm next, right? So, you know, like... It gets to we'll the still, very end. <laughs> I'll still be... Uh, we'll still be Instagramming, I think. That's probably our, our easiest with all our pics and stuff. And if you, in the future, you know, see something cool on Instagram and remember back to Beyond the Dice, just, like, tag us in it and, like, you know, give us the good feels and you have the good feels. And then maybe that will spark some link to someone else out there that will go what the hell's beyond the dice and then they'll check us out in the future at beyond the dice this is when i'd usually talk about our facebook but that's where you would get the news on when the new episodes are coming out but for the foreseeable future there won't be new episodes but the facebook i should 
Facebook will still be be open, not the entirety of Facebook that should be open, but our, our group, um, the Beyond the Dice. So you can go there and there should be links to uh, episodes um, if you use Facebook most of all, but also, you know, you can always put comments there. If you go back and watch an episode, enjoy it, just let us know. Let us know that you've enjoyed it. And um, one final way that you can say thank you would be to leave us a review, not to pump up our egos, but just so that other people who are looking for some fresh D&D cyberpunk uh, content can get some sweet earbuds tickled by stumbling upon our program. I like a good earbud tickle. (laughs) If you've enjoyed this and you know somebody who hasn't listened to the show and you think that they would, tell them about it. That's That's a free way of, you know, sharing a story with somebody that they may not have heard before. Um, the store will still be open, store.beyondthedice.com. There isn't just podcast-related merch. There's other D&D and RPG sci-fi-related stuff. So if you're looking for a new T-shirt that uh, that's going to turn heads and um, make people stare at your back and or face, because we have masks on there, um, head on over there to store.beyondthedice.com. Um, yeah, so guys... And everyone out there in in um, podcast D&D land that have been listening to us this entire time, thank you so much. Thanks so much, guys. It's been awesome. Um, if you feel, you know, some, some sadness that we're going, it's okay. We'll be out in the world in some way or another. But the coolest thing you can do to replace that little, um, the, the spot that we took up is by, you know, starting your own thing like you know start your own little podcast or stream D on twitch put some content out into the world it's super fun if you have the um you know the the means to do so and if and you feel the creativity surging through you just do it it's heaps of fun you may not be able to do it forever but it's a way of putting something out there and then saying to the world hey have a look at this and some people might like it some people might not but at least you've done it and you've had fun along the way. And uh, this might be our last goodbye. So, bye. Bye and good night. Catch you guys. See you later. Alligator. And stop.